and they're, they're, they're clashing with an irreligious Western culture that, you know, has forsaken religion, really, but but still thinks it's got the moral high ground. So Qatar is able to face two ways at once. Islam will continue to be triumphant until there have been 12 Khulafa, all of them from Al-Quraysh. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. This is my brother, my executor, and my successor among you, so listen to him and obey. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Whoso obeys me obeys God. Whoever disobeys me disobeys God. Whoever disobeys my commander disobeys me. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Two system of government, two visions for life on earth. Whichever is true changes everything. This is Christ and Khulafa. The great thing is everybody, everybody is competitive mm -hmm. apart from Qatar. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every, everybody, everybody can beat everybody else. Well, so yes, with, they are good. Well, the thing with Qatar, it's like a, uh, it's like a rentier state. So there's only like, you know, about a hundred native Qataris anyway. So you've got a, <laughs> they've got a, they've got a, they've got a source a team of what you know, eleven players from that. Right, right. There are hundred and fifty population. A, a, a country well, first is what you're saying. Well, that, that's the, that's part of the controversy, you know, that Qatar has got no football pedigree. Yeah. Well, well, they have they have the money pedigree, which I guess is well, I guess what's important in the end. So well, we... here we are, uh, in a in a strange twist of fate. You are on your son's podcast to talk about the World Cup. Yes, it's a great honor. So I don't know if you knew this. He was a sort of a European sports editor for the Daily Telegraph. No, I did not know that. Wow, that's fantastic. And I just want to yeah. say that I feel very esteemed to be in the presence of these two fine English gentlemen. Yeah, well, you should do. Um, but I, I am. Um, I mean, it's, it's quite a long while since I was in, in that lofty position, and I'm, I'm not sure I've got my finger on the pulse anymore. But I'm kind of watching the the World Cup from my sofa, four time zones away. But I'll well, do my best to sound like an expert. Again, you just you just need to know more than we do about this, which is not uh, it's it's difficult. Not, it's not hard. <laughs> Again, you probably only need a pulse. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, you follow you follow football. I follow things in the Middle East. So hopefully, between us, we'll yeah. uh, we'll have enough grasp of what's going on here. Yeah. Okay. So okay. okay. So what have you, what has been the sort of uh, controversy surrounding this World Cup from your vantage point? Well, it, it began in two thousand and ten when FIFA awarded the World Cup to Qatar, and, you know, Qatar's a country with no football pedigree or history, and because of its extreme, extremely hot temperatures, it means that the tournament had to be played in the middle of the Northern Hemisphere football season. So that didn't go down well for a start. And, and um, also, it, people objected to its 
poor human rights um, record, um, the fact that migrant workers were badly treated by the by the Qatari government, the fact that the Qatari government um, um, deems uh, homosexuals is illegal and oppresses women, apparently. Um, so th these are the objections to, to um, Qatar having the World Cup. Um, it, it, it could have been snuffed out at birth if the big soccer playing nations had refused to participate, but that was never going to happen because um, FIFA gets what FIFA wants. And I can only speak from an English point of view, but our National Football Association is notoriously spineless and would have feared sanctions from FIFA if it had pulled out. And they could have been barred by FIFA from a future competition or more. And, um, and it also would have jeopardised their own future hopes of staging a World Cup, which they hope to do, you know, in the next 20 years or so. And, and even if the, the, our English FA had got the guts to pull out, um, there would have been pressure on them, I would think, from our government because they wouldn't want to upset such, a, such an important business partner as Qatar. Um, and individual players are not likely to pull out because for them, the World Cup is the stuff of dreams. It's the, the fulfilment of their ambition. So they're never going to pull out of it. It would too, be too big a sacrifice for them to make. So they're reduced to making protest, token protest gestures. Um, and, that, and they would say, well, we can make, we can object better if we're actually out there participating than we can if we're on the sidelines. But as it's turned out, FIFA has prohibited them from wearing sort of like shirt patches that would, um, you know, be a symbol of the protest. And, and so really they've been silenced. Have I said too much there? No. Uh, what have you seen on the Twitter sphere? I was. I mean, what I'm looking at now, particularly, you know, first as the World Cup as a whole, is that Qatar is using the event um, as a way to uh, promote Islam, right? So they're all over Twitter. There are families, like pictures of families who said, hey, you know, we went to Qatar and we converted to Islam. Um, some people, you know, have a lot of followers and and you know they're posting that hey I, I you know this this happened to me at the world cup um and all over qatar there are um billboards you know interactive billboards with qr court codes um that talk you know in about 30 world languages about you know um, people talking about how what islam does for them and how they can convert to islam and the tours are being directed through um mosques in qatar Right. So if you're sightseeing, um, any tour is going to have a big mosque and the mosque is going to have a, a featured stop. And there are going to be people who are there who speak multiple languages, um, explaining Islam and talking to, you know, tourists about Islam and encouraging them to convert, um, particularly with England. Uh, and I don't know, you may know more about this um, more than I do, but uh People have been showing up in uh, crusader costumes to yep. the matches, right? <laughs> and and are, you know, uh, are drawing a lot of attention and ire, uh, according to you know Twitter. Um, and they're saying it's a blatant anti-Muslim agenda and all of these other things. I, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and that's like a you know an American football thing. Those people are crazy. 
And I, I look at this and I just see crazy football fans. I mean, yeah, I, really I think not, so. I think, I yeah, think they're more b- bone, more boneheaded than than right. anti Islam. Right, right, right. Yeah, I actually think that's the um, that's that's actually one of the beautiful things that sports does. It takes these like historic animosity between nations and then turns them into sort of trivial like sports contests. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, on 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 match day, the you know the, the people like hate hate the other team, but then you know they meet in a like hotel lobby somewhere in a different country. They'd be the best of friends and bond over their common love of football, right? That's that's kind of how it works. But I do think, like, take the fans out of it here. You do essentially have a worldview clash here between Islam and secularism. And, 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 absolutely. and absolutely yeah and they really don't know what to do with each other right now exactly now there's there's a really good article in the online guardian the british newspaper by a writer called uh nezreen malik and i'd recommend people read it um and and, and I, I mean the gist of what she says is this, and I'll put it into my in, into my own Christian language, if you, if that's all right, because I, I um uh, the, the Bible talks about something called Babylon the Great, and it's it's, it's a force that is pitted against God, uh, and, and is a multi-headed monster, and FIFA is one of those heads, um, and although it's not one of the senior heads, it wields a lot of influence because it rules over the world's chief idol. Rather, chief leisure idol, which is soccer. So, the multi-headed monster's main characteristics are its lust for power and wealth, and and most of the Western world are are at its table. And uh, Qatar, uh, um, seemingly, is also is at the table. There's no doubt about that. It's also at the table. It spends millions buying weapons from Western nations. It exports gas to them and invest vast vast amounts on commercial projects in Western countries. Apparently, it's the 10th biggest landowner in the UK, Qatar. It wants an increase in voice at the table and greater recognition. And the other members are only too happy to accommodate them. And that, I think, is the bottom line of why the World Cup was awarded to to Qatar. FIFA would say, oh, we want to spread the, the game around the world and encourage up-and-coming countries but that would be the bottom line money and i don't blame qatar they're just playing the game but the problem as you say now is that we we have a, a clash of uh, of cultures western secularism versus is- islam and countries like uk have already suppressed their consciences in order to be at the table with the big players but qatar has got awkward laws based on islam um, which don't sit well with modern Western ses- sensibilities. It's like having a, a guest come to your party who's smoking or wearing inappropriate clothing and they're being frowned upon by some of the other guests. And although I'm a, I'm a Christian, uh, and, and although I, I, I don't agree with Qatar's laws, some many of the laws, I, um, I, I recognise their right to frame laws that um, are in line with their sacred traditions and that they're, they're, they're clashing with an irreligious Western culture that 
you know, forsaken religion, really, but but still thinks it's got the moral high ground. So Qatar is able to face two ways at once. So there's there's actually is it, there's this interesting moment here because I think the way secularism likes to position itself is this: yeah, everybody's welcome. All cultures and ideas are welcome here, and it's uh, you know come here, be yourself, uh, represent different cultures. But then all of a sudden, when the culture has an opinion that's uh, different to them, it's a hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who said you're allowed to believe that? Yes. Who said you're allowed to have, like, rules that are actually consistent with your own worldview? Mm, yeah. Well, well, well the, um, it seems to me that, that, that to the, the Western, Western society, it's kind of taken the Bible. It's cut, cut pieces out of it pasted it onto their own um uh one of the tenets really so it says cut they did a cut and paste job with the bible but unfortunately they they they, they haven't brought the uh, the basis of the bible with them they it, it's so there's no there's no moral weight to to, to western beliefs if you see what i mean they, they said so they can parrot things like you know equality and fairness and tolerance but they don't actually have anything to back it up with it's not based on anything. Right. So you have this baseless secularism, which is trying to make an overture to its values. But ultimately, I think what's been demonstrated here is in the pantheon, in the pantheon of secular gods, uh, the whole LGBT issue is subservient to football. Right. It's a, it's, it's a secondary god to football and money. Right. Well, yeah, right. I think... The, the, the coverage of the World Cup has shown that to be the case. But the LGBT has sort of shrunk into the shadows as the footballers, the footballers go, gain momentum. There's a ton of stuff on Twitter as well where people are posting, hey, you know, I wore this, this, this uh, shirt that had a rainbow flag on it and I wasn't allowed to go into the stadium or, you know, they asked me to take this off. Um, but, you know, when we talk about this idea of uh, the secularism having, you know, kind of these demands on society, right, that we accept people, that we tolerate people, that we accommodate people, um, regardless of our differences with them, um, it's, let's just say in like the gender sphere or, or something like that. Uh, you know, the scriptures are really clear, right? The, this idea that there's this thing that's called the outward form of godliness, right? But it, it and you know it kind of demands a righteousness um, that we can only find in the scripture. But it has no power behind it, right? It doesn't have mm. the power of God or the authority of God behind it. Mm. Uh, and really, what I'm seeing is this kind of like chaotic swill, you know, of um, how do we uh, as secularists try and wrap our minds around this religion that you know is taking a moral authority, right? Well, no, we have the moral authority because we're enlightened. We know better. Yeah. We have science. We have psychology. We have all these other things. And look at these people. The, all they have is their old religion. And it's something I can feel like a little sympathetic towards because as Christians, you know, it, we, we kind of get bashed the same way. Um, but uh, it's just really interesting to watch this conflict come to bear, right? Between, you know, uh, totally East versus West. It's almost like out of Tolkien. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and But also, so on the, on the other hand, though, Right now, I'm seeing this you know, like wide 
celebration of how Qatar is sort of presenting Islam, right? Yeah. They've got, you know, Hadith posted on billboards everywhere. They've yep. got the QR codes in the room right. where you can read the Quran. There's people explaining Islam there. And it, it represents like a different type of hypocrisy than right. the West is representing right now. Right. And so it's, I think Jesus said it very well when talking of the religious leaders in his day in Matthew 23, when he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And what what's going on right now in Qatar is people are literally playing football in whitewashed tombs. Like lit, these stadiums are literally full of people's mm-hmm. bones because, like, right. thousands of the people have died. died. They died making them. Yeah. And these aren't. And this isn't an East West thing. These are people from Pakistan right. and Bangladesh. Like right. these are Muslims who have died. Right. Like building these things. Right. Right. Um. So there's like, you know, there's the empty, uh, hypocrisy pretending to be righteous of the West, and you have a slightly more convincing but 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 like equally hypocritical sort of gulf islamic hypocrisy on display here as well uh yeah well they're both shrouded they're i mean regardless of what anyone how anyone wants to view secularism it is a religion yeah right it has different sacraments okay so uh you know in christianity there's literally communion but the sacrament um you know, in secularism, it could be said that some people have said that the sacral sa- uh, the, the the sacrament in in secularism is abortion, right? Like it's it's this idea that there are these these uh, sacred things that people can't touch. Um, and in Islam, you know, there are many, right? We've chronicled a bunch of those on this on this show in the past. Uh, but I I, th- I think this like clash of worldview and the hypocrisy that's being evident. Is something that's on display in the whole world, right? Uh, the Twitter sphere is going nuts over this. There's just, just so many tweets about the World Cup, and it's not just about football, right? It's not just about the game. It's about the politics. It's about the ethics. It's about what you were just talking about. And I was wondering if we could take a few minutes and talk about, you know, the big picture, right? So how does the big picture fit aside from football and um how do Christians respond to the big picture, right? Outside of it. Because we can we we've seen the problems. The problems are evident. Right. Okay? So there's there's tons of problems with Qatar. There's also tons of problems with pro- uh, progressive secularism. Um, but we as Christians, like I I have a heart for both of these people. I want to see both of these people come into relationship with the Lord. So how do I reconcile that? Right. So let's 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 narrow that question down a bit to in light of all the kind of hypocrisy and the you know the corruption and the death and you know all all the darkness around this how can a christian participate in this can they go to the world cup can they watch the world cup Mm -hmm. Uh, can they enjoy it without feeling guilty like what, what do you what do you think of how christians can engage with it 
Um, well, I, I think uh, as, as a Christian, I would have no qualms in playing in the World Cup, apart from the fact that I'm absolutely useless at soccer and 70 years old. But um, but if, if I was 25 and brilliant, a brilliant footballer, I'd have no qualms. But my reasoning is this, that the roots of sin in the world are deep and tangled. And if you dig deep enough, you'll find something rotten in every sphere of life. The stuff you buy from a shop might be produced by what, what amounts to slave labour or the company you bank with invests in businesses or, uh, the, the, in, in, or, or countries with shady human rights records or the boss of your company, the company you work for could be a wife beater, et cetera, et cetera. You, you can't really uh, avoid the grime of the world. So, and, and Jesus said that, that in this world, the good crop and the weeds grow side by side. And if you try to weed out the bad, too soon you risk pulling out the good too that's what jesus said and one day he'll return and disentangle all this but for now that the, the christian has to deal with the world as it is not how they would deal would like it to be and they have to i think obey jesus's command to be salt and light in every situation they find themselves in now i would have a clear conscience and i would pl play but having said that if i did play I would want to use it as a platform to speak out against things I feel strongly about. And while I accept there's a case to be made for, you know, gay rights seems to be dominating the agenda from where I am. I, I accept there's a case to be made for gay rights, but I think there are more pressing issues. For example, the, the Russian attack on Ukraine, you know, against all, uh, persecution of all persuasions in Ukraine, the oppression of the masses by the governments of China and Iran and North Korea, the slaughter of Christians in Nigeria um, and Myanmar, about which we hear not a thing in the media, the cruel anti-Christian laws that exist in many Islamic countries, the beastliness of the Taliban. I could just go on and on and on, but I'd hope to highlight issues that I think are far more serious even gay rights i'm not saying it's a not not an issue but there are, there are horrendous things happening in the world and these seem to have just been sort of like dismissed from view props to the iran team so the iran team the iran team actually refused to sing their own country's national anthem yeah good for them because of what the government's right doing now and, and i i agree i think so despite all the sort of um all the sort of like complexities and sort of corruptions in a country like Qatar. Um, I, I love Gulf Arabs. There's so many good things about that part of the world that we, you know, we could learn things from, and there's things they could learn from us, there's things we could learn from them. Mm -hmm. But I think as, essentially what the World Cup is, it's a, it is a human event. And every human being and human beings, when you put them together, reflect two things. One, they reflect the image of God. And at the World Cup, you see things like um, friendship and competition and excellence and uh, achievement and many cultures being put on display side by side, um, you know, with each other, which is a reflection of God's work in the world and is a good thing. And it's great that people are mingling from all these different cultures. The other thing human beings and the world cup reflects is sin nature 
which is, you know, all the worst things in the world are contained within us as well. And, and so the problem with the problem with the sort of secularism Islam clash is that they see the speck in each other's eye without seeing the plank in their own mm-hmm. eye. That's good. So, so our, the way we interact with this as Christians is by first and foremost looking at the issues in our own soul and our own your issues then then we have humility to deal with other people and then with jesus examples jesus can interact with people he can eat with people who are corrupt who are part of government corruption and you know whatever corruption the qatari government may have or fifa may have it's probably not even approaching what the sort of tax collectors working for the roman government in the time of jesus were implicated in by their actions Mm. nevertheless jesus sits with sinners and there is no way to live a life on earth as a faithful christian except to sit with sinners uh and not just see the sin but also see the image of god as well right so the thing that god is trying to do in all arenas of life right um is to redeem his creation is to bring his creation back to himself. Is to everything he does uh, is a call for us to return to him. Okay, so um, in in Judaism, it's called this idea of teshuva. It's like a it's like a return. Like so, God is saying, "Return to me." This is in the all throughout the book of Jeremiah, for instance. Return to me, and I will return to you. Right, a call for us to come back to him. And as believers, I think we have to operate under that. Right. Like that's kind of like a mandate for us as believers to understand that where we go, we are like the a source that would emanate that call for creation to return back to their creator. So um, I know that sounds kind of esoteric. So let me let me be a little bit more specific um, and dovetailing off of what you just said. Okay, I I have to force myself to step outside of my own biases. Um, I have to force myself to step out of the things that I like my sacred cows. Okay. Um, or, or the things that I feel ideologically correct on and put myself in a position of weakness, right. And go talk to people that I wouldn't normally talk to or force myself to interact with people that I normally wouldn't interact with, with the hope, like Paul said in the Bible, I become all things to all men so that I, I might bring some of them I might save some of them. They might become saved. Um, and I think that's the challenge for us in, in arenas like this, right? Like I'm kind of hearing it in what both of you have said. It, it's this idea of us being real, genuine, authentic, but also sticking fast to our principles in the middle of a fluctuating world. So I think fundamentally boycotting things, avoiding people, is is fundamentally unchristian yeah. in our approach and, to the world. and they don't work and they don't work right no they don't. yeah so um the, the 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 way that one thing we learn from the life of jesus is that being friends of sinners is not what makes you a sinner right you already are mm-hmm. and it's not the yeah. people it's not the people you're exposed to that right. um that make you a sinner Right. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're there to be 
salt and light into a world in in the world and that doesn't happen by us moving away from people who are broken it happens by us moving towards people who are broken right and i think kind of what your dad was just saying about um i think it's important for us to take that that instead of looking at the speck in someone else's eye right take the log out of your own first i have an yeah. iphone I'm a huge fan of Apple products, but I know how they're made and I'm more than willing to buy them, right? <laughs> I keep track of everything that comes out. I watch, you know, the, the product drops. I drive a Ford van. If you dig any, if you dig deep enough, you'll find ugliness and sin anywhere. It's at the root yeah. of all things. And and taking us, taking, I think when we take like this idea of I'm going to boycott this, right? Or I'm going to um, jump up on social media and say all these you know, negative things about something else. Um, sure, you should always, you know, desire to know the truth and not be afraid to speak your mind. But the the thing that's been missing lately, uh, I'd say, I mean, not lately, but is that we're not looking at ourselves. We're not looking at our own hypocritical behavior. And I think when we can get past that, that's when we can actually connect with people that we don't normally interact with so if you were at the world cup as a christian per se looking at these looking at these uh billboards and not getting offended and being willing to engage in conversations with other muslims right with muslims um and without fear you know um being able to say hey you know this is what i believe and i hear what you believe and this is what i believe and you know being secure enough in that to say i believe you know i believe that god God is with me. God loves me. And he loves you too. And let's not talk about like, you know, let's keep it to football, right? <laughs> let's talk about, okay, uh, you know, Australia, right? I think Australia could be Qatar at this point. So <laughs> actually the, the Qatar is, I think from where I'm sitting, they're doing a pretty fine job. It's a really good tournament. And it, I mean, I think they might've had issues with tickets, but I saw a game last night between Argentina and Mexico, or maybe the night before. The stadium was packed up, packed out, no issues with tickets, and fantastic atmosphere. And everything seems to have gone very slowly, uh, very smoothly. And I haven't heard of any violence either. Normally, the the Brits and the Poles and the Germans are beating seven bells out of each other by now, and I've I've heard no reports of that. So that's another plus. It's been good, uh, and I, I'm just wondering. In any case, other Qataris like to take any notice of the protests. No, they're not going to be phased by the protests. They're, you know, they're, they're a system that's been used to tuning out protests for you know generations well, at this point. Well, the, the World Cup, the World Cup is only going to last a month, but uh, Babylon the Great will continue for long after that, and Qatar will, Qatar will want to be a part of that. So we got we got we got to wind down now. We're out of time, but I think uh, the things Christians should be thinking about here is that we should be seeing the image. We should be aware of sin in our own our own nations and cultures. We should see the image of God in other people and other cultures, and we should always move towards people with hope, not with blindness, but with with hope, with friendship, and being prepared to be salt and light in the world, not from a moral high horse, but as uh, forgiven sinners who eagerly want to see sinners forgiven.
Yeah, but, but being a Christian means you can never take the moral high ground. If you're aware of your own sin, you can never do that. Right. Yeah, I think in explaining, you know, particularly a lot of the interactions I've had, particularly since I joined Almeida, is explaining to people, I'm not speaking on my own authority. Like I'm, I'm just talking about the things that are in the scripture. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that these things are even coming from me. You know, like they're, they're from what I believe to be the authentic and, and, um, you know, uh, uh, authoritative word of God, and explaining that to them and being like, I, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. Right? Exactly. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what exactly. I say. It's, it's there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to be the judge. I don't, I don't want to do God's job for him. Absolutely. Right. He's already spoken and we're simply there to represent that and represent yeah. it in humility and in love. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And thank you. Guys hey, for my listening pleasure. To you. Thank you nice guys for listening to Christ and Caliphate. Uh, we'll be back next time.